this morning to Ruth chapter 1. I want to encourage you to come on Wednesday nights here. If you're not part of a home fellowship, we are going verse by verse through the book of James. We're meeting in the grill. It's interactive Bible study speaking on the subject of spiritual maturity. And I just encourage you to be a part of that. Ruth chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. Would you stand one more time with me? And I won't ask you to stand again. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Ruth 1, verse 6. Then Naomi arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return, each of you back to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you've dealt with the dead and with me. And the Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you in the house of your husband. And then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you unto your people. And Naomi said, No, turn back again, my daughters. Why would you go with me? Are there any more sons in my womb that they would be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go back your way, for I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear you sons, would you wait for them till they're grown? Would you stay for, them, stay for them from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and left. But Ruth held on to her. And she said to Ruth, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Small g, by the way. Go back with your sister-in-law. And Ruth said, in this very familiar passage of Scripture, utilized at a lot of weddings, she said, Entreat me not to leave you or to return from following after you. For whether you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried The Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death makes a division between you and me. And when she saw that Ruth was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. You may be seated this morning. If you missed last Sunday, I encourage you to go online and and watch that message. It will give you great background for this part or you can... Get a CD here in the lobby. Last week we, st- we talked about uh, a man named Elimelech. His name means God is my king. He was a type of the person whose life choices does not match his name. We learned that Elimelech was a runner. He ran from his problems. He ran from his difficulties. He was a rational man, not a spiritual man. He was a carnal man, which means he made his decisions based upon the miss, dis, and incomplete information that he received. Instead of consulting with God on what to do, he made choices that were outside of the revealed will of God for his life. The famine didn't kill him and his boys. His choices did. He was hungry. There was no bread there in the land. The famine had just began, but they were already feeling the pinch. We talked about how we hunger for things both allowed and disallowed and how our hunger in the moment 
would cause us to make choices that would forever affect our family and our own individual lives. What are you so hungry for today that you would sell out all of your tomorrows that you might satisfy it today? Esau sold his spiritual birthright, which meant God's blessing passed on from his father to him for a bowl of soup. A carnal-minded man always chooses for now. And Elimelech took his wife, Naomi, and his two boys, Malan and Chilion, and they went into the land of Moab, which was a forsaken place, a cursed place where God told Israel, don't even visit, much less live. And he sojourned there because the answer to his temporal problem was made available. Don't be surprised when the devil makes available to you the answer to your temporal problem at a spiritual high cost. He swapped a famine for three headstones. He and both his children died. The famine didn't kill him. His choices did. So, having said that, here we are today, 10 years after the move from Bethlehem, the house of bread where there was no bread. You remember we talked about what do you do when what God's promised is not manifesting in your life at a certain time. It's a, it's a very great tearing for a man to, to exercise his faith in those moments. Well, she's buried her husband. She's buried her two sons. And she heard, heard that the Lord was visiting again his people. And so she told Naomi and uh, or Naomi told Ruth and Orpah, that I'm going back home. They began to walk home together, and then Naomi talked him out of it. A godly woman who has been hurt so bad that she no longer gives godly counsel. But this road, give me just a minute to do a brief introduction, and the sermon will go quick, I promise. This road back to God is God's idea. He planned it. He created it. He allowed it, and He guaranteed it. For every one of you that has traveled a road away from God, that road goes both directions. Anyone else beside me grateful that God put exit ramps on your road where you could get off and change your mind and come back the other way? The road back to God. There are three types of people in this portion of Scripture. There's Ruth. The type of person that was hearing the stories from Naomi and probably Elimelech hearing the stories of God for the first time and her heart comes to life and she is willing in a moment's time. Naomi never had to convince her. When Naomi said, I'm going back to God's house, God's land, God's plan, she said, I'm going. And she forsook all, every friend, every connection. You don't leave a nation and go to another nation, exclusively Israel, and, 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 and carry all your stuff with you. She traveled light. Do you remember when you gave your life to the Lord? Some of you, how you left everything behind and you traveled toward God. That's a type of person here. Ruth, the person who was not a believer that becomes a believer. A pagan who becomes a child of God. Someone outcast that God even said to their children's children's children's. No Moabite is to enter the, the kingdom of the Lord or the tabernacle of the Lord. But God blocks out. But there's always grace and there's always election. And Ruth is the type of that person that finds that grace. Orpah is the type of person that's on their way to God until it costs something. 
Well, I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but you know where the road is because you've traveled it. And every time there was affliction or persecution or the cost got high, Naomi said, if I can have children, are you going to wait for me to get pregnant, be married again, get pregnant, and wait for the boys to raise up? And she said, no, I'm Without saying it, she said, I'm not willing to wait that long. And because the journey to God would put on hold her plans, she turned back. So there's a type of person like Ruth that's coming to faith that said, I don't care what the cost. Your people are going to be my people. Your God is going to be my God. I'm going to live there and die there. And then there's Orpah that says, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. Oh, in these 30 years of preaching, how many people? that I've had a chance to preach the gospel to or minister to, they, they believed, they prayed. They, they, they called on the Lord with tears and walked with me for a period of time until something they weren't willing to pay became a cost. See, you don't get to follow Jesus with exclusions. It's I will follow Jesus. Ben had this on his weekend, no turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, no turning back. And when Naomi began to tell her how difficult it was going to be, and the unsaid was, the Israelite men aren't going to be lining up to marry a pagan Moabitess. And so she chose, watch, just watch. She chose temporal instead of eternal. She chose comfort over cause. And she, she chose earthly things over heavenly and she fell on Naomi's neck she cried and went back okay having said that I have to cover that I want to specifically focus this morning for just a few minutes on Naomi what happened to her that would make her do something she was not open to do do for 10 years word got to her how does word travel from an Israelite clan to the land of Moab no cell phone no internet no no connection somehow the travelers the uh, businessmen that traveled between the lands had told the story to someone that told someone that got in the ears of Naomi that the people of God had experienced this famine, but now bread is falling. Bread is growing up out of the ground, like falling from heaven. The rains have come, the crops, the bumper crops are, are happening. All the cows are having babies, the cats are having babies, the dogs are having babies. Everything's blessed. The land of God is flourishing. So just reason with me this morning. Instead of me preaching this morning, reason with me. Why, why would she go back home? There was bread in Moab. So she heard that there's bread in Israel. You already settled. You're in for 10 years. You've already built new relationships. Why, why, I know their carnal reasoning why you would leave Jerusalem to go to Moab because there was bread in Moab. But why would you go back to Israel because there's bread, because there's up to your arms in bread here? I think she knew it was time to go home. There are people here today that walked away from God on their own choices. And there are people that somebody else took you away from God. Elimelech took Naomi. That was his wife. She didn't have a say. 
especially in the customs of these times, there was, her opinion was uh, irrelevant. Maybe, and I'm, I'm not trying to be graphic, maybe someone misused or abused you when you were younger. Maybe they named the name of God and acted that way and literally pushed you away from God, took you out of God's plan. Naomi is a type of the person that didn't leave because she wanted to. She left God because somebody pushed her away from God. You know, it's, she, I just believe she knew it was time to go home. Because of, you'll know, for you, it's time to go home. Because of how much you've lost. There are people in this room today that since you walked away from the Lord, justified or not, the high cost of what it's cost you is immeasurable. I can, I can close my eyes and see on the faces of my friends that took this journey with me, that turned back, and the cost of their countenance that used to glow and now it's dark and sullen. Their attitude, the fruit in their children's lives. Naomi came to a place where maybe you might be this morning. She said, this living in Moab has cost me the life of my husband. It's cost me the life of my son, Malan. It's cost me the, my other son, Chilean. And it's, how do I know it's time to go home? Because I've lost too much in Moab. I've lost too much. You know it's time to go home because of what you've buried. She didn't just lose her husband and children. She buried them. Take it from someone that's lived the life of the prodigal, knowing good and well God's word and knowing good and well what his scripture says. And in my teen years, I turned away from God with a vehemence. And you can take some lumps and you can lose some things on the road, but you bury some things too, which means you're never going to get them back. Well, Brother John, I thought the Bible says the Lord restores the years that the caterpillar and the cankerworm have eaten away. Yes, but you never get those years back. God don't heal old. Those years, let me give you an example. That those of you whose dad walked out on you when you were young, and he might try to come back in your 30s and 40s, and you can give him grace, but those years are gone. Those years are gone. And Naomi lost some things that would never come back to her. I lost my teen years in my rebellion. They'll never come back. I buried them. My innocence. I buried it. I did too much. I saw too much. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. God's grace was greater, but those years and those opportunities are gone. You know it's time to go home because of what you've buried in your time away. You know it's time to go home because of how long you've been gone. Ten years. Don't, don't answer, but who am I preaching to? How long are you going to stay away from the Lord? How long... Or are you going to live in a land that was not designed for you? How long? What rationalizations can keep a person in a land that eats their family? How long? There come a time in my life, in my mid-twenties, I, I preached a sermon right before I got saved. I was getting saved. 
I was, I was getting sick. And, and you know, sin is kind of like uh, relatives that come to stay. It's like the seafood rule. After the third day, throw it out, you know. If you leave seafood on the counter, no one got it. Okay. Too long. Been away too long. You've been gone too long. You don't have, you don't have to have anyone remind you how long you've been away from the Lord. You know it's time to go home because of how much you've changed. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Would you parallel your life maybe with mine? The longer I was away from God, the colder my heart got. The more calloused my heart got. My perspectives were skewed. My tongue was filthy. My mind was continuously filthy. I changed from the little boy that would watch his daddy preach sitting on the front row with my mouth open, dreaming of God and the things of God and witnessing in my school and handing out tracts. Y'all remember those chick tracts? Y'all remember those? I'd hand them to the teacher. Good morning. Don't go to hell. How about that? I was ready. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) I didn't understand grace, but I could read that cartoon. I'd hand it out. But that little boy began to change. Moved out of my mother's house early in my teen years. Got on my own. Opened the door to every form of promiscuity and perversion. And that innocent little boy changed. You know it's time to go home when you look in the cracked mirror that the prodigal looked in and saw himself and said, I'm dying My father's servants have bread enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will arise and go back to my father. And I will say to him, I have sinned against heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You know it's time for you to go back home to God because of how much you changed. You used to be kind, and now you're mean-spirited. You used to be faith-filled, now you're a skeptic. You used to weep in the attitude and the scenario of church. Now you mock it as a distance. I'm not beating up on you. I'm telling you how you know it's time to change. Naomi went from, her name means pleasant, glowing. And when she came back home, she had said, don't call me that anymore. Call me Mara, which means bitter. She, although she still had some issues, she knew where her hope was. And some of you are changing today, and I'm the guy in the road with the flashlight saying, the bridge is out. Don't go this way. This road you're on, 180, go back the other way. You know it's time to come home because today you live in a place that you would have never even visited yesterday. We are settled into sins that we would have never considered early on in our faith. And finally, you know it's time to go home because of the whispers of grace you're hearing from other people. Have you heard about your friend on Facebook or 
through conversations with someone else, your friend that was that dope dealer, and now he's spirit-filled. Have you heard whispers of grace about how God is moving in the lives of other people? I think that was it for her. I think when she heard that everybody that stayed in the famine was now having their fill of everything she was hungry for, she knew that when God visits his people, you don't want to miss what God's providing. I like to also think, no offense, ladies, there's a, there's a force, a powerful force in the world greater than uh, atoms colliding, greater than gravitational pull and black hole vortex sucking things into space. That's called a made-up mind. Men, if your wife has a made-up mind, you can say, baby, an angel appeared to me from heaven. I didn't see no angel. (laughs) Made-up mind. I believe Naomi looked at her life, looked at those headstones, looked at her countenance, listened to her words, and said, It's time for me to go back home. That's where this story starts. Number two, if there was still bread in Moab, and I asked you this question, why would Naomi go back to Bethlehem? I believe she was remembering. I believe she was remembering who she was, an Israelite, a daughter of Zion. I believe she was thinking about the reverence that her and her friends had for the scriptures, the joyful songs, the story of her ancestors, the community of faith. Oh, don't nothing haunt a Christian like remembering how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. We remember the altar services where somebody came behind us and put their hand on us to pray for us and we felt like our back was on fire because God was visiting us. We remember how we used to sing in the kitchen and your baby would ask you why and you'd say, Mama sings because she's happy. The Lord is good to us. Oh, the greatest motivator for me is not loss. It's remembering. It's remembering. I've told you this several times, but it fits right here, so bear with me. Going into Shoney's with my girlfriend Deanna, lost as a golf ball in high grass, just gone, gone. I walked in, this lady goes, Oh, hey, John. What? Do I know you? Mm-mm, but God knows you. Leanne said, I mean, Deanna said, Who's that? I said, I don't, I don't know who that is. She goes, You still running from the Lord? I don't feel like eating at no Shoney's. I know that. We're getting out of here. I got in the car, and she said, who is that? I said, I don't know. She goes, oh, yes, you do. I said, no, I don't. But I don't mark that on my spot. We're not going back there. You know, God has little plants of people everywhere. But you know what it did? Outside of freaking me out, do you know what it did? When I got home, and I was in my room with my lights out, I remember as a little boy standing in church with my hands up, tears coming down my face, worshiping not my daddy's God, but my God. I remember taking my Bible to school. I remember the joy on my daddy's face when he would tell me about the Lord. Memories push. I believe Naomi was remembering who she was and where she came from. I believe she'd had her fill of Moab. Oh, won't God let you get sick on ranch dressing? Won't he do it? I'm going to live like I want to live. I'm grown. 18 can't tell me nothing. 
And we've all done it. Don't, don't mock your children. Some of us were just as brain dead as they are. Then we did the same stuff. I'm going to stay out late as I want to and party over here, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. That alarm clock goes over at 530 and you're like, merciful Lord, what's that? And you, you have to navigate all of that, all of that. And God kept letting me get sick on excess and perversion. And did you know the law of diminishing returns will set in? Pastor John, what's the law of diminishing returns? I'm glad you asked. It means that your 13th New Way hot dog will not taste as good as your first one. By the way, no offense, New Way. You're doing a lot of business for a lot of years. If I was running it, I, or if I could, you know how you do pranks sometimes on the signs and you can, people change the words on church signs and stuff? It's really not good. It's funny, but it's not good. I'd love to put on New Way the meal that keeps on giving. Just <laughs> Sorry. Mercy. You eat there and you get home and all the dogs want to jump in your lap. <laughs> this ain't in my notes, but can I tell y'all something funny? We've been talking serious. Seriously. I've got a friend of mine. God is my witness. His name is Kevin. He went into New Ways a long time ago and he ordered his food and he goes, and I'd like to get a, just a big, large Coca-Cola cup with a lid of the chili. And the lady said, What? I just, I, can I, just tell me what it would be. And she goes, this a minute. Because, you know, yeah, got to go talk to the manager. And so we're sitting there waiting on our food, and she comes back out. She goes, excuse me. He said, yeah, I witnessed this with my eyes. The manager said, we cannot sell it to you like that because too much can hurt you. <laughs> and here's your sign. I believe she got to a place where she'd had her fill, listen, of idolatry, all these pagan gods everywhere, men bowing down to Play-Doh-like creatures saying this is God. I believe she got sick of what she was hearing. I believe she got sick of what she was seeing. And the Israelite part of her said, this is not who I am and I'm sick of it. And I, again, I don't mean to be but sometimes illustration and I just have simple illustrations have you ever tried to stop eating something you like just because you should or somebody on Facebook challenges you go 21 days and eat nothing you like it was the meanest people that ever lived in the world and you can say I'm not eating them I'm not eating them I'm not eating cheese fries from Outback again I'm done I wash my hands with it write it down willpower and what you doing sneaking out through the go window <clears throat> yeah I'd like to place an order for cheese fries please nobody knows you're getting it you know to cure you of it you get a good food poisoning with that okay please bear with me and you pass it through your nose like ranch dressing and all that Somebody go, you want to go to Albuquerque? No, 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 I don't want it. Okay, enough of that. I bet there's somebody here that the person beside them is laughing. They're going, that is my life. I'm throwing up what God allowed me to get, to fill myself with. And I'm done. Done. I believe there were more reasons now to leave than to stay. 
I believe she went back to Bethlehem because there are more reasons to leave than to stay. That was Elimelech's argument. There's more reasons to go to Moab than there is to stay. And I believe Naomi took the same reasoning and turned it around. There comes a time in every wayward Christian where they declare there has to be more to life than this. I believe she didn't want to die there. Watching something happen to others is a great motivator in the life of Christians. She watched her husband die in Moab. She watched Malan die in Moab. She watched Chilean die in Moab. And she got to figuring, I don't want to die like this. Last year, I went to two separate funerals of fraternity brothers I had in college. Both of them died of the same thing. Their liver was ruined from alcohol consumption. I saw it back then. You're all standing around with your little picture with your alcohol, your 17, 18 years. And then after the funeral, they schedule a meeting at a bar where everybody's standing around with their beer, taking pictures, but now we're old and wrinkled. I believe Naomi said, I've watched too many people die here. I'm turning back to God. Pastor John, I feel like you're fishing for me. I am. I'm reasoning with you. Naomi went back to Bethlehem because she didn't want to die in Moab. I believe she missed home. No matter how long she stayed, she could never be one of them. And I believe she went back home because she could. Do you remember last week I told you Elimelech, one of the reasons he left is because he could. And I think one of the reasons she went back is because she could. A made-up mind, and she just got on the road. See, some want to talk about how Naomi's heart wasn't in it, and Naomi was still bitter, and Naomi had unforgiveness, and she got a distorted view of God. She was walking back to God. We look at how we walk. God looks at the direction we walk. And all you got to do, even if all your prayers aren't answered and if it's confusing to you, all you have to do is turn your back on Moab and start walking. If I got on 75 North and just started walking, well, of course, policemen would pick you up and tell you, you know, sheriff said you're not supposed to walk on the interstate. Besides that, if I just started walking, I would eventually look up and I'd see Trophy Ford in Forsyth and Grits another exit down, Jake and Carla, Grits down there. Just keep walking. Do you, know what you're, do, you, do you know what the Lord would want me to tell you? You're one decision away from a brand new life. One decision. She said, I'm going back home. I bet she had that look like, try to stop me. She was so confused, she tried to talk Ruth and Orpah out of going back to the home she was going to. And that's for the person that's not all sure about everything I'm preaching and you don't know if you believe in one God or 50 gods or whatever. Hey, God can work it out in your heart. Start walking to him. Just start walking to him. And finally, to make it all the way home, you have to leave Moab. Completely. Wholeheartedly. Once and for all. So what is Moab for me? Anything that is outside of the design of God's will for your life revealed in the scripture, you have to leave. When I gave my heart to the Lord, I gave, surrendered my life as a man at 24. I got all my fraternity jerseys. I put my pen on the top. I went into the, it may sound silly to you, but I went into the SAE house. I put it all right there. I said, I am done. 
Why, why, you gotta do all, why are you acting so religious? I'm not judging you. I'm judging me. And this is what I told him. If I leave this door open in my heart, come the first bad season, I'll turn around and come back. And I am not going to be the hypocrite that we watched all through college party all night on Saturday and come dressed after they've been to church in the cafeteria. I'm done. I'm leaving. Goodbye. One of my friends said, six months, Wood. You'll be on this bar stool. Six months. And 30 years later, gone. You got to leave. To make it all the way home, you need to leave the things of Moab just like you leave Moab. Don't carry none of that stuff with you. It won't work. What do you mean it won't work? Okay, how many of you 40s and 50s? So hold your hand up. Make, it, make you feel better about yourself. All right, good. 40, 50. Let's travel back. Do you remember going to college and you were so excited? There wasn't Facebook. You couldn't tell nobody. There was no cell phone. There was hardly phones. There was... Those of us 50, we had those like, and if your friend had nines and zeros, it'd take you half a day to call them. You remember? Call waiting. You got a busy signal. And you kept, okay, anyway. Okay. Do you remember you got your little letter jacket? You were it in your high school of a couple hundred people. Billy Bob, that's his truck. Billy Bob's jacket. Got a big rebel flag hanging up, flopping in the wind or, you know. Speakers, you know, mounted on top, not even mounted to the back part, and just everything to do with your school and your seniors class of, you know, when it was your class, you thought you were the first senior class ever, ever been in the world. Yeah, but you wasn't class of 80, was you? Uh uh. And then you get to college and you wear your little letter jacket, you remember? You go to orientation and you go, hmm. Ain't no greyhounds or mules or gophers or ducks or nothing. You just, oh, ooh, it's hot in here, Lord. Let me take this off. You remember how you try to fit in? You wouldn't wear it but one time out. And they go, what is that? It's my letter jacket. <laughs> now, you see it on eBay, rarely used letter jacket. Like mint condition. <laughs> Sell it. So what are they telling you? Hey, if you're going to come to college, you got to leave high school behind there's a new identity here. And to live with Christ and for Christ, you can't carry that mess with you. It's got to be a clean break. You not only leave the place, you leave the things you accumulated in the place. To make it all the way home, you may have to let some people go that won't finish the journey with you. I wonder if there's anybody here today that you started walking this faith walk with somebody who turned back. What did Ruth feel like when Orpah, her sister-in-law, turned back? She felt like her soul got ripped out. I've got family members of mine that let go of my hand in this walk and walk that way. Anybody else? Friends, let go of my hand. Spouse, that'll let go of your hand. And you've got to decide, listen, to make it all the way home, you can try to bring everybody, but you can't hold on to anybody. This is work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Ben, if you would come, please. To make it all the way home, you can't let other people talk you out of it. And we'll get to this later, but Naomi is trying to talk her out of it. You'll have good people in your life try to talk you out of living a surrendered, consecrated, faithful life to the Lord Jesus. And they'll use great reasoning. 
But you can't let these people talk you out of your walk with God. You, you, have, to, you have to not only keep walking, but gracefully take what they have to say and reject it. You're telling me all the reasons I should stay in the world, but I'm not staying in the world. I'm going to live with God. I'm going to make it all the way back to Bethlehem. And whoever it is under the sound of my voice this morning, you're a believer. You know, but you've walked away. The only way to make it all the way back to Bethlehem is to make it all the way back. All the way back. To make it all the way home, you don't have to work everything out before you get there. To make it all the way home, you really need to believe that your place at the table is still there. That God hasn't forsaken you. I remember the day I gave my life to the Lord as a 24-year-old. They hadn't even given an altar call yet that I remember. I walked out of my seat and I collapsed on the altar. And the first thing that came out of my mouth was, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. See, I didn't have it all worked out. I had alcohol in my system from the night before. And some of us want to clean ourselves up and I'm going to start getting my life back together. Sir, you don't clean a fish before you catch it. Just like you are. Like you are. Naomi came back to God with her disillusionment on her face, her bitterness in her heart, anger, all of this. But she was walking in the right direction. And it's miraculous what happens to people when they're in God's presence. He heals and fixes. The road back can be a long road, a lonely road, a regretful road. It can be a colorless road with no beauty. Few comforts and little to no encouragement. But the road back to God always leads back to God. No exceptions, no exclusions. Everyone that wants to makes it home. Whosoever will, let him drink of the water of life freely. As we study the book of Ruth, you got to know that this God's the originator of the do-over. When your computer doesn't work and it's all jammed up and pinwheeling, what do they take? Reboot it, man. Start over. What you're doing today, what I'm doing, is in the same way Naomi heard that God was visiting people, I'm sending you the message. God's visiting people again. Listen to this. I'll just read this to you and I'm done. God is visiting people in Macon. Not just around the world, but in Macon. Rains are falling. The land is bringing forth bread and flowers are blooming again in the desert of people's hearts. Wounded people are being healed. Lonely people are being held. Orphans are finding homes. And shattered lives are being put back together personally by the hand of God. He is forgiving transgressors. He's lightening their countenance. He's giving beauty for ashes and joy for mourning. God is doing this for people all around you. God is visiting people again. He's filled their hearts with song. Their homes with laughter. He's restoring what they've lost, what was taken, what was sold, and what's forgotten. God is visiting his people again. And I, as a pastor, are watching people make the break and turn. No, not just turn, run back to God. And grace is flowing into the deepest part of their soul. There is no limits upon God's goodness. Whosoever. Remember I told you last week, God will never stop you from walking away. 
And he'll never let anybody stop you from coming back. I asked Ben to play this for us. Would you just bow your heads, please? No one moving or talking. Just listen to this. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you. Saints, would you look this way one more time? And I know this is a little disjointed because I could say, come home, and there are those that would come. But I have to tell this for the person, and you'll know who you are, okay? Years ago, many years ago, there was a, a song written, Tie a Yellow Ribbon around the old oak tree. If you know that, you're, you're up there with me. But many people don't know where it originated. There was a young boy around the time of when the world was at war who had gotten in an argument with his father. And his father was an old farmer. And he physically assaulted his father and left him in a pile in front of his mother and said, like, you know, horrible things like, you're dead to me, that kind of stuff. And got on the train and he had enlisted and went off to battle. Long story short, just the cliff notes. He was coming back home. No one knew these details of his life. And he was sitting in the train and he was doing his hands like this. And a, a pastor saw him and came and sat with him. He said, sir, young man, can I sit here? He said, sure, just sure. He said, What's wrong? He goes, I'm just, I'm just nervous. I'm just nervous. I'm just nervous. He said, well, what is it? He goes, if I talk to you, will you just not interrupt me and let me just tell you? He must have been, spent some time with preachers, I guess, because he knew. And he said, yes. He goes, he told him the story and he said, I pushed my dad down and I kicked him and he was an older man. 
and uh, I wired my parents and told them my tour was up and I would be passing through town. They owned this huge orchard, pecan orchard, huge, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres. And the train went in front of the lip of their property, right in front. And he said, I know you haven't heard from me in X amount of years, but if it's okay for me to come home, would you put one yellow big ribbon in one of the trees and when I pass it on the train and the stop stopped in front of their property too that way I'll know and he said I'm sorry and he said and I don't have the courage to look and see if there's a ribbon there so preacher if you would just let me know and he said it's the next stop and so he sat there however many minutes with his eyes closed and he was just trembling and when he heard the train come to a stop he couldn't look and he said, preacher, do you see any ribbon anywhere? And he said, no, son, I don't. But as far as the eye can see, there are yellow sheets flapping in the wind attached to every pecan tree. And he opened, and they were blowing like that. And his dad was standing there withered, and his mom, and they were just wiping tears. And he said, hey, I guess it's okay for you to go home. And he watched that guy run off the train, falling into his father's arm. And there's someone here. You need a sign. You can come home. You can come home. You can come home. So where are you? Come home. Now, if that's you, God's talking to you. Come home. Come back to God. Who will be first? As Ben sings that chorus, come on. The doors are open. The train's coming to a stop. Who is it for today? Who is it for? Come on. Who is it? Come home. Who is it? Come home. Who is it today? God bless you, ma'am. Just find a place and kneel here. Who else? God bless you. Jesus is calling. God bless you. Calling all sinners. Come home. Pastor John, what will they think? It don't matter what they think. Come home. Where are you? God bless you, ma'am. While these are praying, would you look this way one more time? I'm not trying to add a number in an altar so I can tell someone how many people came. For me, I believe had I not made that decision that day, 
when God aligned the things for me, I believe I would have died in my sin. I believe it's a man. I, I just do. Maybe because it just struck me. Where, where's the guy? And that pride that everybody saw you walk away from God. That man can walk back to God. Sir, God bless you. God bless you. Scott, will you come pray? Just, just put your hand on it. Who else? Coming home today. You're going to tell people it was today. Oh, buddy, he ain't forgot you. <laughs> Papa, it's time to bring your babies back out of Moab. Come on, where are you? Just a minute more. Where are you? Where are you, sir? Where are you, sir? Hey, you can tell me no. You don't owe me nothing. But if the Lord's inviting you to come home, you got to come home. Where are you? Just one minute more. Where are you? Where's the man or woman that said, I should have went. I should have went. Now it's time. Come on. It's not too late. Come on. People are running back to God. Come on. Lord, I just pray for that person. I pray. I pray, oh Lord. I pray for them. By the power of your spirit, give them the courage, the nudge, Lord, that today's the day of their salvation. Today's the day of their miracle. Complete restoration between you and them. One more appeal. This is it. God's inviting you home. What do you say? y'all stand with us this morning does anybody in my church family realize what happened this morning did anybody want to thank the Lord for this? Does it? Those in the altar, look this way one more time, and we're dismissing everyone. And by the way, when we're dismissed, if y'all would just sit, just stand one minute and let people that have children go first, it'll expedite things. You got to be here for the rest of this series. Naomi got back, and she was... Still had all her issues and all that. But God began to weave this tapestry in her life. And every couple of scriptures, she'd, oh, can you, oh my goodness. And listen, when God visits his people, anything's possible. Get ready. Get ready. You're going to remember not so much what happened yesterday because you're going to be so amazed. It's what's happening today. It's going to heal yesterday. Have a wonderful day. God bless you.